When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dress, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Dress listeners, welcome to our brand new format for our mini-sode, which we, <laughs> which we are calling Fashion History Now. Yeah, so we thought this would be really kind of a fun way for us to discuss everything that's happening in the world of fashion history and fashion, you know, kind of in the now, what happened in the last couple weeks, last month. And it also just provides us with a platform to share with you all the things that we are currently excited about that may not relate to whatever episode we're airing, full episode we're airing this week. So yeah, we're pretty excited about this. Yeah, exactly. And and um, speaking of things that I have been excited about, Cass, um, um, as you already know, I went to study hall recently. Um, no, I didn't get detention. <laughs> um, it was actually the exact opposite of detention. It was this really beautiful, amazing six-hour experience um, that happened a few weeks ago here in New York City. Study hall is an, an educational conference co- like that, which is organized by Slow Factory and Slow Factory's co-founder Celine Simon, and it was this amazing six-hour experience of hearing from designers, scientists, educators, and activists, all on the topic of climate positivity at scale within the fashion industry. So I know that you actually watched it online. So you, our dress listeners, can also watch it online. Yeah. What, how did you feel about Study Hall? Um, well, first of all, it's it's an annual free summit on sustainable fashion. So anyone can get tickets and go, which is so cool. And then she also puts it all online. So people mm-hmm. like myself and all our dress listeners who could not make the event, you can see this incredible, um, you know, conference and bringing together of all of these people that are working on sustainable fashion. So like, how do we build a better, more sustainable, ethic, conscious uh, fashion industry now and for the future? So I was very excited about this event and very excited of to watch it, even if I wasn't there in person. Yeah. And there were actually 700 people there in person. So oh, wow. 
Yeah, they were estimating that it was going to be something like 500. Um, and it was actually held at the New York Times Center, which is this beautiful event space and auditorium. And they had to turn the tea room that they set up downstairs into an overflow room. Cause well, that's, that's exciting. I know. People <laughs> were super into it. It, it was just an incredible day. I left so inspired. There were so many panelists that were amazing. Right. And including the person who opened the conference is our past guest, Karina Emmerich. And she yeah. did this really beautiful dedication. Um, uh, she's a Native American fashion designer. And she did this really beautiful um, recognition of the land uh, right. that NYC sits on as being the home of the Lenape people who were removed to Oklahoma in the 1860s. So the whole the whole day was really great. And, and I don't know what your takeaways were, but my takeaways from the day were that planetary health is human health, right. that climate change is a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. And also so many panelists, it kept coming back again and again and again that there's this direct correlation between environmental abuses and human rights abuses. Mm-hmm. And and we're not going to go into like hella detail here, but uh, you can jump on study hall yourself and and listen in if you want to. But but it was eye opening, inspirational, heartbreaking at times, but but really really great. Yeah, and so Karina opened the show with that powerful land acknowledgement, like April just said, and then Whitney McGuire did this um, powerful labor acknowledgement. So you have the land acknowledgement, and then you have the labor acknowledgement. You know, this country is built on the backs of millions of enslaved African Americans. Um, you know, so it's kind of just this reminder of of where we come from, so that we can move forward to a brighter future. You know, with acknowledging where we came from and where this country comes from and how it was built. Mm-hmm. Um, and who have been the custodians of this country before us? Yeah. I mean, Karina, um, just to quote her, she said, indigenous people make up 4% of the world's population and we are still protecting 80% of the world's biosystems. Um, you know, and she didn't explicitly say this, but she kind of reminded us that while, you know, Greta Thunberg is, you know, a powerful white activist, she's become the face of climate change. Indigenous activists have been fighting for the last two centuries to protect their land. But yeah, my main takeaways also are that climate change is a human rights issue. I think you have panelists, Lillian Liu, who said one in six people in the world work in a job related to fashion. That's 60 million people worldwide and only about 2% earn a living wage. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of really powerful uh, stuff. Climate positivity was the theme. So quote, uh, to quote Slow Factory, going back to our roots of living in harmony with nature by providing sustainable, scalable solutions for the long term with ecologically regenerative practices and projects in alignment with environmental justice for Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities. And something I thought was so cool, and I know I, I think I called you to talk about it, April, was the 1x1 Conscious Design Initiative, which mm-hmm. is so cool. It's this partnership between the Slow Factory Foundation and Swarovski, supported by the UN. And they basically, it's these partnerships for a sustainable future. So you're pairing fashion designers with scientists, for instance, and um, designer Telfar Clemens is paired with scientist Theanne Skyros. Yeah. She's a professor at FIT. Yeah. And I, my mind was literally blown. She, I know. I, I think we need to have her on the show. And in fact, after we yes. get done recording this, I'm just going to email her and be like, hi, 
Would you like to come on the show? <laughs> yeah, because she, not only is she working with her students at FIT to bioengineer leather and algae-based mm-hmm. yarn. Mm-hmm. So just think about that for a second, trust listeners. Um, yeah. she And she was talking about it on, the, on study hall about how you can um, grow leather in shapes, essentially. So without even having to sew it because the algae will just, you know, form to itself around a mold. She has this incredible company called AlgaeNet with, you know, their motto is biology is the future of fashion and they promote this closed loop product life cycle. So, so many cool things happening and I think you should absolutely ask her on the show. That would be really, really cool to hear more about bio leather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and it's all like, it's all biodegradable in the end because when it's right. made from natural products, then it can degrade and it doesn't become an issue in terms of like waste. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing that I found fascinating and and frankly terrifying that I took away from the conference was the fact that on average we ingest five grams of microplastics per week. Oh my gosh, I know. And 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 if you don't realize how much five grams is, basically that's the equivalent of swallowing a credit card every week. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean they're finding. Finding microplastics in breast milk, snow, mm-hmm. and the water you drink. So yeah. So it was like when when that when that fact went out, when that slide went up. I mean, the room went silent. Like <laughs> you could have heard a pin drop. It, it. So I mean, there's a there's a you know. Again, I don't want to make it all seem gloom and doom. There were some really upsetting things, but this is what educating ourselves about this entails, right? We need to learn these scary facts in order to course correct. Yep, absolutely. And I think actually if this show showed us anything or it's that there's hope still. There is so many people that were on that stage are doing incredible work. And, you know, we all just need to be the change we want to see in the world. And it really Mm -hmm. does start with us, be it our consumer dollars, um, how we spend our money and how we buy our clothes. We make a huge impact. Yeah. And if you want to check out exactly what we're talking about, you can head over to studyhall.earth. That's not .com. That's not .org. Studyhall.earth. And you can actually watch this entire six-hour-long conference symposium online for free. Yeah. And April, actually, I think I'm going to skip ahead in our show notes because I think you have something really cool that our listeners can also do to understand what their fashion footprint actually is. Yeah. So the company Thread Up, which is a like, you know, secondhand clothing online retailer, they did this really cool thing recently. Um, it, they created what's uh, it's like a basically a fashion footprint quiz, and the quiz asks you questions about your shopping frequency, whether you shop online or in stores, what are your laundry and dry cleaning habits, how do you dispose of your clothes, and you know how much do you buy secondhand, do you rent, etc. They ask you all these questions, and then at the end you get a takeaway as to what your fashion footprint is. So, I took a quiz. <laughs> I took it a couple times just to make sure that there wasn't any kind of like wiggle room. Um, but apparently I qualify as a as a green queen. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Um, <laughs> I know. So my fashion footprint is 82% lower than the average consumer. I contribute 292 pounds of carbon emissions annually. 
versus the average of 1,620 Gosh. pounds. And that still feels high, right? The 256. But then when you learn the out, like mine was 256. So when you, but when you compare it to what the average is, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I'm sure you know your stat too, but my annual fashion carbon footprint is equivalent of 1.8 flights between LA and San Francisco annually. Yeah, mine was very similar, 1.6. So, but still, it just feels like so much. 200, mine was 256 pounds of carbon emissions annually. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Just on yeah. the clothing. And that doesn't have to do with everything else that we consume or use. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to take this and check out to see where where you are on that footprint scale, you can go over to threadup.com fashion footprint. And thread is T-H-R-E-D-U-P. So T-H-R-E-D-U-P.com forward slash fashion footprint. And you can take the quiz yourself. Um, also, something very cool, for every public share of this quiz, uh, ThreadUp is going to donate a dollar to the ThreadUp Circular Fashion Fund, which is dedicated to supporting sustainable fashion efforts worldwide. And oh, That's very cool. Yeah. And I, I'm going to post this on our Instagram feed so you guys can share it um, however often you want with other people vis-a-vis our Instagram feed. Fabulous. And uh, just a note that I have put the uh, links to some of these articles that we're talking today and to the thread up um, and to study hall in the actual show notes of our description of the show. So on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get the description, you can find links to, to what we're talking about today. Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone. With more than 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and so many more, that world out there is practically at the tip of your tongue. And that's right, dress listeners. For more than 30 years, Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning. There are no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which is incredible. You learn by immersion, and their programs are available to use on your desktop or as an app. And let's not forget that there is an amazing built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, so you learn the proper accent from the very start. For limited time dress listeners, you can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off by visiting rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives, but what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable mysteries? Because you can, by joining us in playing June's Journey. And April, I can't tell you how much fun I've had playing June's Journey. It's this (laughs) hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour and intrigue of the 1920s with this diverse cast of characters. And basically, each new scene takes you further into the story of a thrilling murder mystery that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. 
be well sleuth with June in the antique parlors of New York, the chic sidewalks of Paris, and you can even build your own luxury island estate where you get to decorate and plant decadent gardens. And there's also a chat and challenge feature where you can play alongside friends. So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So something else that I think everyone should watch. I mean, we are now in the middle of of I think Milan Fashion Week started today um, mm-hmm. or yesterday when this episode airs. Um, but I actually want to talk, April, about Haute Couture Fashion Week going back last month because it was Jean-Paul Gaudier's final show. I know. <laughs> He's been like working in fashion for almost 50 years, which is incredible. Yeah. And needless to say, it was epic. Um, mm-hmm. Fashion as performance is definitely in Godier's very DNA. I actually have a couple of fabulous quotes of him talking about when he was a little boy. And he says he dreamed of working on a review ever since I was a little boy. And I saw opening night of Les Folies Berger on my grandmother's television. <laughs> he says he got in trouble at school the next day because I was sketching girls in feathers and fishnets. See, this is so interesting because there is more than one really well-known couturier out there who basically got inspiration to become a fashion designer by being obsessed with showgirls. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty fabulous. (laughs) He says that then I did a review with my teddy bear at home. I pretended he had breasts. And the first cone bra I did was for my teddy bear, not for Madonna. I had a strawberry box for the stage, and I put a lot of lot of feathers on my teddy bear for the headdress. <laughs> I used feathers from my cleaning brush for the finale. <laughs> uh, and Godier landed his first job in fashion at the age of 17 after he sent in gold and sequin-covered fashion sketches to the haute couturier, um, Pierre Cardin. Uh, so just like an incredible origin story. And then it just explains so much about him and his performance style um, and the type of fashion he produces. And his debut show was in 1976. So yeah, yeah coming up on 50 years. Yeah. And, and and the thing is, is like, I think that he is retiring from, I think the brand is still kind of going to continue without mm. him. And he may continue to still work on special projects here and there. So he's not going into like, Hard stop <laughs> retirement. He's just kind of like taking it a step back. Yeah. And, and yeah. It's yeah. a lot, That's, as we all know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, what else? Oh, Hamish Bowles wrote this really great article about the show, um, and he says, uh, many of the conversations we are having today about such issues as diversity, gender fluidity, recycling, sustainability, are built into the Godier DNA. Since his first show in 76, he has shown pan-generational models of all sizes, genders, and ethnicities on his runway because they reflected the real-life people on the streets who inspired his style. And that is exactly what this show did. It was an hour and 10-minute long 
long, mm-hmm. long homage to his prolific career. <laughs> so. And not to mention the fact that the entire show was bookended by performances by Boy George, right? Oh, yeah. And there was performances throughout the whole per- show. It was so incredible. There was It was such a celebration of joy and love. You have models um, and then muses and his friends that have been making, you know, appearances throughout his career. And so you have all of his most iconic looks. You have underwears, outerwear. You have the famed cone bra, you know, his blue and white striped sweaters and sailor looks. So, so fun. 200 pieces. So it really was his review come to life. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there there was this one male model walks down on point shoes. Um, there are pe- numerous people smoking on stage. I mean, it was it was definitely something to see. Lots of kink and sex, fashion, fantasy. It was Which pure. Which has always been part of his work. Yeah. For sure. And it was um, really a celebration of love. So definitely check it out. It was really incredible. Um, and yeah. then just a, I said, I know I mentioned earlier that Milan Fashion Week started. Um, haven't watched too many of the fashion shows this season, but New York Times just did this live play-by-play of the Gucci show. Have you seen anything of this, April? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't looked at it yet. This is all I've seen, and it was <laughs> via Instagram. So it's it's often very overwhelming to kind of figure out what shows to watch. But Audiences, when they got to the show, they walked into the dressing room and everyone is talking about how they thought they were like in the wrong place. But no, you walked through the dressing room. So you have all the models getting ready and this is all part of the show. And then the audiences take their seats and then the robed models walked past them onto like this covered um, stage and the, you know, the curtains dropped and then you're basically watching a see-through wall of the models getting dressed and all of their like wardrobe um, people getting them dressed and ready. So it's like all this behind the scenes show. And then they took their places. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. It was pretty cool and pretty original. I mean, I feel like, I feel like people really get into that behind the scenes thing. Like, I don't know. Did Lourdes show you this one clip when you were in her 20th century history of fashion class of some of the dressers at Dior dressing the models? No. Oh, I have it. It's from like maybe like 1949 or 1950. I I will find it and I will send it to you. Perhaps we can see if we could potentially share it with some of our uh, listeners too on some sort of platform. But it's a about the models at Dior getting dressed for a fashion show and all of the underpinnings that they were putting putting on to create (laughs) the new look silhouette. So there was like a quasi corset and hip pads and like, it was intense. But but I I feel like people really love that kind of, what does it really take? What's What's really going on? Like what level of artifice are we actually functioning at? Kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. Yeah, that's also, I think, the same reason why people love makeover shows. Oh, yeah. Right? The transformation. Yeah, you can put yourself in that spot and be like, oh, I could be that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. We'll dig that up so we can look at it for sure. So something, uh, there's a couple exhibitions April and I want to recommend that you see starting with um, the Fashion Institute and Design and Merchandising FITM in Los Angeles. They just opened their 28th annual Art of Motion Picture Costume Design Exhibition with over 100 costumes from 29 films including all of the Academy Award nominees so The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time of Hollywood, they're all there as well as like Rocketman, Maleficent, and Aladdin. And April and I actually were 
were there last month for the iHeart uh, Podcast Awards. And the curators, Christina Johnson and Kevin Jones, gave us a behind-the-scenes tour of the museum. And we kind of got a walk through the exhibition as they were they were setting everything up. And it was really cool, right, April? Yeah, so all the mannequins were pretty much dressed, but they were still in, like in the middle of installation. Um, so, so it was it was pretty intense. Um, my boyfriend got super excited by the Captain America um, <laughs> <laughs> images that I had on my phone, which they asked me not to share publicly, and I did not. But I did have them on my phone, and he looked at them on my phone when I came home. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah, the, the costumes were really beautiful. And it was so nice to see some of that craftsmanship and all that work up close, like really up close on those costumes. Yeah. And they're, I think- they're not meant to last per se, past production. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Um, although, like you said, the craftsmanship that goes into making these, most of these costumes are draped um, from scratch. They're made completely from scratch by incredibly skilled, you know, cutter, fitters, seamstresses, um, you know, dyers, agers, everything that goes into the production of those costumes. And I think you and I were both very excited um, or like maybe mesmerized by that sparkly baseball um, ensemble from Rocket Man, which was so, so fun yes. to see in person. <laughs> It was entirely rhinestoned. Like, and to see it up close in person, you're just like, wow. Like somebody sat here for countless hundreds of hours applying right. rhinestones to oh, this yeah. baseball and uniform. It was, yeah, it it definitely was worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it was also just really cool to meet uh, Christina and Kevin. They have this incredible exhibition. They're prepping outdoor girls sporting fashion, um, 1800 and 1960s. We're going to have them on the show um, in the next month or two to talk about that. And if you're not already following Fitta Museum on Instagram, I highly suggest it. They do these really cool unboxing videos every week where they basically unbox a treasure from their collection and tell you all about it. So uh, check it out. And it's a surprise. Yes. Um, So I went to a very cool exhibition this past weekend, I have to say, a little bit late on this calendar. Um, But I went to the Met, to the Costume Institute, and saw the In Pursuit of Fashion exhibition, um, which is this supreme example of one collector's obsession oh my gosh. with collecting fashion. Um, Sandy Schreier, it's her collection, and she is one of the preeminent collectors of fashion and costume throughout the world. And this exhibition more or less is consists of pieces that she has promised as donations to the Costume Institute. And it was absolutely stunning. I mean, there were some really incredibly rare pieces in this in in this exhibition, a tea gown by Jesse Franklin Turner, who oh was one of the very earliest fashion American um, fashion designers to make a name for herself in the 19-teens and the 1920s. Right next to that was a piece by Valentina, which we have already done <laughs> an entire episode on, the notorious, fabulous, and, and, and sometimes shocking Valentina. And a huge chunk of the show cast was all original Fortuny. There were probably at least 20 Fortuny garments um, in the exhibition. And one other notable piece. I mean, there were so many. I don't even know where to start. But um, (laughs) just on the the theme of things that we've already talked about on the podcast, there's actually a Charles James dress 
in the exhibition that is a ready-to-wear version of his swan dress. So, oh, wow. A lot of people, if you're not like super into Charles James, might not realize that he did work with the American manufacturer Samuel Winston to produce ready-to-wear collections. They were still tremendously expensive, but but you could get a Charles James ready-to-wear. So um, that that was really really beautiful as well. So another podcast episode we've done, I think she has one of Patrick Kelly's like button dresses, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I mean, really, she just has this entire spanning the spectrum of 20th century uh, fashion, you know, from the Campbell sh- soup dresses to the Mondrian yeah. dresses. She's to- been working on this for a while. She She has like the preeminent collector's eye of like knowing what's important and and actually like going out and finding and buying the best quality of of all of those things. So, and fashion that's art too. Yeah. That's a part of what she does. She doesn't wear these clothes. She collects them as art because she believes they are art. So mm-hmm. and it's open until May. So if you happen to be in New York City, um, whether you live here or whether you be visiting, it you so you still have time to see this exhibition. So go check it out. Fantastic. Well, April, that was really fun. I think we've covered quite a lot of things for our listeners to go out and do online in or in person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that brings us to an end of our very first fashion history now. Um, as always, please tune into our full-length episode on Tuesday. And we love hearing from you. So if you'd like to email us, please do so at dressed at iheartmedia.com. And be sure and follow us along on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast. Thank you, as always, to our producers, Casey Pegram and Holly Fry and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each and every week. We will see you all, or actually maybe not see you, but we will talk to you. (laughs) Talk to you (laughs) on Tuesday. (laughs) Dress, the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.